Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. I want to start a new series called What's Next? So turn to your neighbor and say, what's next? What's next? What's next? Turn to your other neighbor and say, what's up? <laughs> what's up? All right. If you're single, I just helped you out. Come on, somebody. What's up? You want to go to Girl Track? Yeah, I'm helping you out. But we're in a new series called What's Next? And it doesn't matter where you are in the spiritual journey. I believe every single one of us, we're asking that question. We're asking ourselves, what's next? What's next? What's next? Because God's spirit, think about this. God created us, therefore his spirit's in us. And so because God's spirit's in us, we're always going to be asking, God, what's next? Because we need God to answer our life's questions. So I think it's going to be a great series. We already had a great, wonderful 930 service. I'm excited what God's going to do. We had Tame the Monster series that we just got out of. The, uh, the series before that was Distracted. And I'm beginning to see God just change us from inside out. And now you know what God wants to do? He wants to propel us into our next step. And so we're saying, God, what is next for my life? doesn't matter where you are in the faith journey. I believe you're asking what's next. What's next? Now, I don't know if you, um, I'm raising you, you got kids, got teenagers. How many are parents of teens, right? Parents of teens, right? We got a special service for you afterwards. We're just going to hold you, all right? We're going to hug you, and then we're going to ignore you. <sighs> but uh, how many had curfew growing up? Raise your hand if you had curfew growing up. Be, come on. Raise your hand. How about this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap into the older generation, all right? How many, your curfew wasn't a time, it was when the streetlights turned on. How many is that, right? Right? When the streetlights turned on. Ah! Right? We the, the lights on! <laughs> you had to be home. Now, I learned uh, when I was in high school, I learned a little uh, secret. So I'm going to help you out here, all right? Some parents are like, shh, pastor. But teenagers, I'm going to help you out, all right? And here's a little secret was, I think my curve was like 11 o'clock. Uh, in high school, because uh, my parents hated me, right? I mean, shh, just hated me. I'm kidding. And so my curfew was 11 o'clock, and, and so I tell my guys, hey, I got to go home. I got to make sure I don't break curfew. I don't want to get in trouble and get grounded. And so I rush home, and by the time I got home, I would open the door and open up and go into the house right around like 1059, right? God, His grace is sufficient, right? And so right at 1059, I get into the house, and all the lights are off. My parents are sleeping. And finally one day, it dawned on me, how do they know when I'm getting home? And so the next morning, my mom would be like, what time did you get home? Mom, I got home at 10.59. She's like, you're such a good boy, right? You're such a man of God. Thank you, Mom. Come on. And I realized my mom doesn't know when I come home. She don't have cameras, right? Like, this is the 90s. Come on, somebody. She doesn't have cameras, anything like that. And so the next night, I came home at 11.10. Uh, 10. I'm going to talk about, like, a little 10-minute margin. Came home, all quiet, right? Went to my room and went, oh. It worked. So the next night, I pushed it a little bit because we don't know when to stop, right? Can't stop this. And so it's like 1120, then 1130, and this is in the summertime, 1130, then midnight. And one time I came home at 1 a.m. And I'm, how many know you get real good at sneaking in your own house, right? You got the key, you pop it, you lift the door so it doesn't make noises, and you're going, shh, right? How many know when you're trying to sneak in, everything makes noises, right? When you're going, ah, you're like, when, when? This is concrete, right? Ah! You're like, shh, shh, shh. All right, and I'm deaf, all right? So I'm not quiet anyways, right? I'm all, I was, how'd you know I was coming, right? I think I'm quiet, but I'm not. 
And one night I snuck in and I'm being all sneaky and I'm trying to feel through because you can't turn on the lights. We don't have flashlights on our phones then, all right? I was like, a telephone. And so I was sneaking in and unbeknownst to me, my mom had woke up because the Holy Spirit, right? And my mom woke up and she sat in a chair in the dark. And how many know her eyes adjusted? And so she sat there waiting for me to come home. Get angrier by the minute, right? I, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm kill him and make another one like him. I'm going to adopt to Jeremy, right? Where's Jeremy at? This is Jeremy right here. He looks different, doesn't he? She's getting get angry about a minute. And how many know? She's sitting in the dark, so her eyes are adjusted, and here I am, right in front of her. Right? And she's sitting there going, that boy's so stupid. I'm gonna, right? Because she had her eyes adjusted. Here's what's gonna take place in this series. This has been my prayer is that God begins to adjust our eyes. Begin to see what he sees for our life. You know what? You know it's really hard to take a step when you can't see. And so many of us, we're kind of in the dark, aren't we? Going, I think it's going to be this way. I think this is what God has planned for my life. I really want to encourage you today, because that was just kind of fun, wasn't it? Huh? Okay. I really believe God's going to be, begin to shift our focus be able, be able to see God's vision. Proverbs 29, verse 18. We've used this verse all the time at Avenue Church, but I'm going to read the King James Version. And it says, where there is no vision, people perish. So if we can't see where we're going, we're going to perish. Without vision, perish. You know what's so powerful about vision? I could be in the valley. I could be surrounded by hell. But if I have vision of where God wants me to go, I can endure the pain now. I can endure the season I'm in. So with no vision people perish. So God's going to give you vision in your life. You might be perishing now in your spirit. Whatever's been creeping in, whatever depression or anxiety or worry or fear or maybe just no purpose, it's because you have no vision. The same verse, Proverbs 29, verse 18, in the NIV version said, where there is no revelation, where there's no revelation. What's revelation? Revelation is that, oh, aha moment. Yeah, now I see. Revelation is where God wipes the smudge off our eyes so that we could see. But when there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. When we don't have a vision for our life, we'll cast off our marriage. When we have vision for our life, we'll cast off our emotions. When we have vision for our life, We'll cast off people and community. We'll cast off the important things in our life. We'll cast off our morals. We'll become morally corrupt. Why? Because there's no reason for me to do those things. There's no reason for me to progress. There's no reason for me to move on because I don't have any vision for my life. I'm here to tell you today, if you have no vision for your life, no purpose, you're at the end of your rope, you're about to quit, I am so glad you're here today because God's going to give you a vision for your life. He's going to give you a revelation for your life. So you will not cast off restraint. And here's what it says in the message version. And I want you to understand this. If you're here today and I just said that's who you are, I want you to understand you don't fix it by stopping something. Because that's what we try to do, right? I'm going to stop that. And you know exactly what that is. I'm going to stop that. We don't, that's not how we fix it. We don't, stop, we don't fix it by stopping something. We fix it by having something better in your life. And that is Jesus Christ. And so here's the message version. It says if people can't see what God is doing, they're going to stumble all over themselves. 
if we can't see where to go, we're going to stumble. What's stumbling mean? I'm, I think I'm going to go this way. I think this is going to bring me fulfillment. I think if I marry that dude, come on, somebody, I'm preaching good today. I think I'll find purpose in my life. He won't, she won't, that won't, it won't. Only Jesus will. He's the only one that can give you purpose. If people can't see what God's doing, they're going to stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, if we attend to what God reveals, we are most blessed. And I want you to look at that word blessed on the screen behind me. See, blessed means there's a contentment to your soul. Sometimes we think blessed is like, I'm so blessed. Why am I highly stressed, right? But you know what blessings is? It's not just like I'm prosperous and I got money, I'm making it right. I'm so blessed. No. To be blessed by God means there's contentment to your soul regardless of what's going around you. Man, you know what that's called? That's called joy. True joy. Not an aha joy. Like James says, when you go through trials, consider it great, pure joy. I've always hated that because it's like, ha ha, going through a divorce. Ha 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 ha. You're like, what's wrong with that guy? I just got my arm cut off. No. If you're new here, it's about as good as it gets. I am so sorry. It's not the ha-ha kind of joy. It's the joy that you know full well that you're in the path of God. So I have joy. It's okay. It's just for a season. It's okay. God's trying to teach me something through this. It's okay. You know what? When I was going on the path with the enemy, when I was shoulder to shoulder with the enemy, I had no obstacles. But when I repented and turned, all of a sudden the enemy started fighting me because I was going the opposite way he was going. And so he got angry. He got ticked off. And he said, don't you dare discover your purpose. I need you to go this way where you're not making an impact. I didn't say that last service. Why? Because that's for somebody today. Did you get so frustrated where you're like, I want to know God. So you turn, the enemy's been hitting you, stabbing you, trying to trip you up. And you're almost thinking, it's easier that way. And I'm saying it's better this way. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be full of joy despite what's happening all around you. I'm preaching good today. So how do I know I'm on the right path? Pastor, you're asking all my questions this morning. So how do I know? How do I get to that place? Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, you will show me the way of life. So this is a biblical question you're asking. God is thrilled that you're asking this question today. Granting me the joy, the contentment of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever and ever. It's the joy of knowing you're in the middle of the will of God. But too many times, I'm going to pastor you for just a moment, myself included. How I many know I don't preach at you, I'm preaching with you. We're on this journey together. But so many times we settle for less than what Jesus paid for. We settle for less than what Jesus paid for. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for our iniquities. He died for our sins. He died so we can be healed. He died so that we can have life and life abundantly. We know this verse, John 10, 10, because of our distracted series. It says the thief only comes to distract, right? To steal, to kill, and to destroy, to get you off course, to get you not looking at God, but looking at everything else. But I have come. This is Jesus. I have come. I done on the cross. I resurrected so that you may have life. I want everyone to say it behind me. And to have it to the full. I want you to have a full life, not a settled life. I want you to catch that today. He wants us at Avenue Church to have a full life, not a settled life. And too many times we're settling for less. Not a settled life, but a full life. And so that is why I'm so passionate. I'm, I'm fired up today. 
because this is the vision of Avenue Church. And I want you to understand, the vision of Avenue Church isn't just for the church. It's not like vision number one, grow the church and get healed. That's not what it is. That's not the vision. That our vision is to build people because people build the church. Our goal is to equip people, not use people, but to use people for God's praise and God's glory. And so vision number one is know God. It's to know God. That everyone wants to know God. Everyone has a unique desire on the inside to know God. He put that inside of us. And so this is why we do what we do every single Sunday. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 21. It says, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. And this is what we do every single week. The most important thing for us to do is for others to know God, but also for us to know God. Number two is find freedom. Find freedom. How many know you cannot find freedom without first knowing God? And 87% of Christians never move from knowing God to finding freedom. So I want you to understand that finding freedom, freedom from habits, freedom of addictions, freedom from your past. God wants to settle your past so you can move forward into your tomorrow. God wants to set us free. And that is biblical and that is God's promise for your life. This might change somebody's life today. Here's some revelation for you today. You currently do not have to live the way you're living. You can live free. You can live a free life and a full life for God's praise and God's glory. But we need relationships. We need relationship. And so many times what happens is when we're going through a tough time, we isolate ourselves and we get away from everybody. But that's the problem. The enemy, that's where he creeps in. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. So will you help me? I want to say this. Thank you, church. Thank you, church. We're two and a half years old. God's doing some amazing things. we got so many things planned that we're praying for and all of that. But I want to say thank you that as we continue to grow bigger, that we're growing smaller through the confinements of small groups. Thank you so much that we're a church of small groups, not a church with groups. But what does that mean, Pastor Jeremy? It means it's not something that we say, yeah, we got to do groups because that's a church thing. No, 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 no. We're not a church with groups. We are a church of small groups. It's who we are. Because we believe that life change happens in the context of relationship. When you begin to do life with others, you begin to be set free in Jesus' name through the power and glory of God. So I want to encourage you. It's to know God, find freedom. Number three is discover purpose. I love this. Mark Twain, powerful theologian. I'm kidding. Mark Twain. He said a quote. I love this quote. He said, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And that's what we want to do at Avenue Church. We want to help you discover your why. Why does God have you on this planet? What kind of purpose has God placed inside of you? What gifts or abilities that he put inside of you? I want to encourage you that far too many people do not know their purpose. I can tell you, I was with the Toy Story 4 yesterday. Great movie, right? In that movie, Whitty says, I need to find my purpose. I was watching a commercial on like razors or a car or something like that. And the car said, if you buy this car, then you can make a difference. I was like, I need to copyright my stuff. What are these people doing? Stealing my material. I want encourage you, you can discover your purpose. And that's why we have Girl Track. We're only asking you for three Sundays, not 18, 25, or a bazillion, just three Sundays for to help you discover God's unique design for your life. And I personally, I love Growth Track because Growth Track, I'm just not talking to somebody, but Growth Track, uh, step one is membership, step two is your gifts and design. They take a quick test. I love the aha moments that occur in people's life. But last and not least, is make a difference. It's make a difference. 
to John chapter 15, verse 8. It says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and to prove to be my disciples. What does that mean? That means that when we make a difference for God, he is glorified. We're pointing people to Jesus every time we serve, every time we make a difference. God wants you to make an impact on this world, and so do we. So here's my encouragement for today. I'm going to, talk, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, kind of saddle up in the first vision, which is know God. Know God. I would encourage you, hey, team, or maybe you've been with us for a period of time. I mean, you literally heard, know God, five freedom discoveries make a difference every single week. I want to promise you, I packaged it a little bit differently in this series to get us ready for the fall. So you're going to hear something totally new, but you can hear the same vision. But know God is such a powerful statement. Now I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Raise your hand if you like basketball. Anybody like basketball here? Basketball fans? Basketball fans? Right? Okay. Not very many. Me either. Come on, somebody. But I have a friend. I have a friend in basketball. I know Stephen Curry. I know Stephen Curry. Um, he plays for the Warriors. And uh, he's the greatest basketball player of all time, Stephen Curry. And there's two things about that statement I just said. Statement number one, and he lost last year, and uh, I didn't have a chance to call him, but he lost to the Canadians, or this year, he lost to the Canadians, to the Raptors. It's okay, he's, 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 he's getting better. He's mourning a little bit. And, uh, but my buddy, um, Stephen Curry. Now, there's two things about that statement. First and foremost, some of you don't know him either, but you're already standing up for him saying, it's Steph Curry. It's Steph Curry. Anybody heard? Correct me right now. You're like, it's Steph Curry. All right? Steph, not Steven. Steph. That's because you don't know him either. Okay? I know my boy, Steven. Also, he's not the greatest basketball player of all time. How many know that? He, it's not LeBron James either. It's Michael J. Jordan. It's Michael Jordan. Excuse me. It's Michael Jordan. Right? How many agree with me on that one? He's the GOAT. All right? LeBron, the only GOAT LeBron is is going on another team. That's all LeBron is. All right? Sorry, I apologize. Apologize. Getting controversial here. But the second thing is, if he doesn't know me, do I really know him? Right? If he doesn't know me, then do I really know him? You see, Jesus in the Bible 2,000 years ago, he's talking to his disciples. He said, guys, I want you to know God. And the word he used there wasn't just know about God know what God says or know who God is. God, what Jesus said 2,000 years ago was radical. He said no, which is gnosho. And gnosho in the Greek means intimately no. I want you to intimately know God. And they were like, what is this all about? It blew their minds because like many of us, we think God is just a God. He's just a guy who's in the clouds, in the sky. He doesn't really care about my day-to-day. He doesn't care about what I'm thinking or my thoughts. He's just up there doing his thing. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. God is an intimate God. He wants to know you intimately. He knows the, the number of the hairs on your head. He knows your thoughts. He has plans for you. And so Jesus said, I want you to know God, to know intimately, which means to get close. How much sure do you a scripture? Matthew chapter 7. You can clap on that one, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. And this is not my favorite scripture verse. I do not like the scripture verse, and this is what it says. Jesus answered, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. I mean, I know where I'm coming from right here, right? This freaks me out. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's like not cool, right? You're like, God's grace, God's mercy. I'm saved by grace through faith. Come on, somebody. Jesus, I love you. Jesus said, not everyone who says my name is going to go to heaven. 
You're like, well, that's messed up. I'm going to go somewhere else, right? He said, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. And Jesus said, many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? Do we not drive out demons in your name? In your name, do we not perform miracles? For many of us, we could say, I went to church in your name. I went to church every other week in your, in your name. I've read your Bible every in your name. I prayed in your name. I got involved in a small group in your name. I served in community and charities in your name. And Jesus said, those things are great. They're wonderful. You're making a difference. But I never knew you. I want to know you intimately. And he said, away from me. And so many of us, I want you to understand what God is saying here. God isn't looking for religion. He's looking for a relationship. He wants to know you intimately. And here's the thing. God knows you, but he wants you to know him intimately. He wants you to know him intimately. And this is my job as a pastor. My job is for you to know God intimately, not as mom and dad's God, not as my God, but as your God, your personal Savior, the one you call upon in your time of need, the one you know that loves you with all his heart is your God. And I got to tell you, just a real quick of my testimony, I grew up in a great church in Fargo, North Dakota. You betcha. Come on. Oh, sure. Yeah. Get some Netflix soup. Okay. I grew up in a great church. Yeah, get the wood chipper. Okay. I grew up in a great church. I learned about God's Bible, scriptures, all those things. That's why we're so passionate about Avenue Kids. I love our Avenue Kids team. I love what God's doing through our little ones. But I want to encourage you. I grew up in church, but I grew up only knowing church. I only knew religion. I never knew God. I knew to raise my hands. I knew what to say. I knew all the different things, the motions to go through. I knew the behavior modifications that I could adjust. Maybe I can get into heaven. But I never knew God. I always thought God was mad at me. I never knew he was mad about me. He was madly in love with me. I had no idea. But it was until I was in a service one day. I was so tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of going through the emotions. I was tired of just adjusting my behavior. And finally, God encountered me. I said, God, I want to draw near to you. And your Bible says you'll draw near to me. And what happened is I began to know him intimately as my Savior. And it never ends, ladies and gentlemen. When I gave my heart to Jesus, it never ends. It's happened time and time again, daily, weekly, monthly. When I moved to Las Vegas, I knew God again. When we started a life-giving church, we quit our jobs, lived off savings, bought a house, didn't have a property to call home. We began to say, God, we're going to start a life-giving church. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know you intimately, and I trust you. I'll place my life in your hands because there's a greater purpose. In the mighty name of Jesus, I'll calm down. Come on, somebody. But knowing God is a journey, and I want you on that journey. But the reality is Jesus is coming back someday. He is coming back someday. Not because of grasshoppers, for other reasons. But he's coming back. And we will stand before him. Some of you are like, oh, thank God, call this place home, all right? 
we will stand before him. And Jesus will ask. He's not going to ask what you do, what you do. He's going to ask, did you know me? Did you know me? God, I was great. I was a good person. I was nice to others. I did good things. God said, those are amazing. Those are wonderful. But did you know me? See, knowing God is a reoccurring process. And here's the problem. I'm going to talk Christians, all right? Christians in the room. I've been saying forever and ever and ever, it never stops. It never stops. The enemy's going to say, tune him out. He don't know what he's talking about. This is self-foundational. No, this is revelation. This is going to change your life. But the problem is we're settling instead of going all in. See, knowing God is a reoccurring process of walking with God throughout your life. You know, 13, uh, about 13 and a half years ago, when I moved to Vegas, went to a great church, and at that church, there's this beautiful blonde girl named Lindsay Mose. Come on. I said, I need to see what her toes look like because so, it rhymes with Mose. Come on, Mose toes, come on. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I began to know her, and when I saw her, I just knew. I knew it. For some of us, we can't wait eight minutes. You're like, God spoke to me. I'm going to marry that person. I, I, no, no, no. I wait eight months and just pray to God, is this the plan? Is this it? Is this someone I could spend the rest of my life with? Someone that could run, we could run together? And so after about eight months, I felt like I had the green light. And so we're sitting at the office. And uh, she came in. She was always by me. Come on, somebody, right? She came in. And I said, uh, um, we're both on staff. And I said, um, is there uh, a, a church event on Friday night? Is there a church event on Friday night? It's the best I had. And she was like, oh, no, no, no nothing's going on Friday night. Okay, uh, do you want to have an event with just me? You know? Uh, <laughs> you want to? You want to? I mean, no. You can be as cool as you want. You can be a cool cat, a smooth criminal. But when you like somebody, you're like, but never. <laughs> I don't know. I like you. Right? Yeah, what's up, baby girl? <laughs> What'd you say? I like you. <laughs> and so I said, do you want to have dinner? you want to have dinner on Friday night? And I'm nervous. I'm going, you want to have dinner on Friday night? And she immediately goes, <clears throat> I went, what, what is that? What, what's this? And she went like this. I mean, her face gets red all the way up to her ears. And I'm thinking, what is this? Like, 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 are you embarrassed? I asked you and you hate me and your hair is your safe place. What is this? What is going on? Or are you, are you red? And I don't stop talking. I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? Talk me, talk, walk me through this, baby. And, and she goes, and I go, are, are you, are you turning red? Because you're so thrilled that I asked you. And she said, yes. I said, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because that'd be so awkward if it was the first one, right? I'll be over here, yeah. And so we dated. We went on a dating journey. Went to restaurants. I pursued her. All these things, gifts. And finally, one night, I took her to a park. And one night, I had dinner ready. Some students helped me bring it. I paid them all that. And I got on one knee. And I said, baby, I said, Lindsay, Will you, and I gave her the ring. All right, gentlemen, listen, there's a, there's a tactic to this, all right? Will you, distraction. Yeah, you want this? You want this? Will you marry me, right? Will you marry me? And she said, yes. I'm like, yes. And then an officer came out and said, I almost messed the whole thing up because the park was closed. But hey, never mind. <laughs> Things you do when you're in love, huh? 
And so I mean, no, she was my fiance. We picked out flowers and taste tested dinners and picked out a venue. And three months later, standing before our pastor, we both said, I do. I do. We became husband and wife. How many know that journey, it didn't end there? I didn't say we dated, we're engaged, now that we're married, done. It became a journey that we went on. And for so many of us, we're just dating Jesus. For so many of us, we're just kind of engaged to him, right? We're flashing the ring. Avenue, come on, somebody, kiss the ring. And God's saying, that is great. No, I didn't do that last service. Come on, somebody, kiss the ring. And God is saying, that's wonderful, that's great, but it's a journey of knowing God intimately. 13 years later, we had our ups and downs, but we're not going to quit. Why? Because we're committed. Why? Because we love each other. But listen to me. Only God is the only one who could know you at your deepest level. Not her, not him, not that, not it. Only God can know you at your deepest level because he made you. And when you begin to know God, you begin to know so much more. Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. If you want to know God, we got to love God. If you don't know God, then we're not in love with God. And number one, here's what happens when we're not in love with God. We lose a sense of powerlessness. To know God means to know his power. We sense his power on Friday night at a worship night. We sense his power every single Sunday when someone chooses to put their hand up, put it right back down, pray a powerful prayer. We sense his power when the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. Power that breaks addictions. Power that breaks habits. Power that set us free from our past. Set us free from our mind. Because to break the yoke of bondage. To know Christ means to know power. I saw this quote this week. It used to run in my family until it ran into me. Why? Because I know God. I know power. Deutimus, dynamite, power. But number two, if you're not in love with God, you'll, be, you'll become frustrated with trying to do good. I've been there. This is where I grew up. Frustrated. Read God's word. All right, I'm going to do good. I'm going I'm to do good. Open the Bible and go, this makes no sense. I don't understand this. Why is this here? Did old God, Old Testament God go to counseling and become better in the New Testament? Like, what's happening? You, become, you will grow frustrated in your Bible, in your reading. I want you to understand that if, if you're not in love with Jesus, it will be the hardest thing in your life. But when you fall in love with Jesus, it's not rules. It becomes guidelines and protection and boundaries that will save you from heartache, that will guide you, that will lead you in your life. It becomes a journey that you go on. Listen to me. If you're not in love with your spouse, it's going to be hard to be faithful. Right? Hold the door open for me. Get your own door, right? But the problem is, so many of us, we say, you know what, I, 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 need to, I need to be faithful. I need to change behavior so that maybe I'll fall in love with Jesus. That's not what we do here at Avenue Church. We ask God to change our heart, then our behavior follows our heart. We just stop doing the things we used to do because of love. And for so many of us, I want to encourage you, don't get faithful. Get back in love. 
Get back in love. That'll save your marriage right there. Come on, somebody. Don't get faithful. Get back in love. And that's what Jesus is asking for. Love brings faithfulness. That's what happens. But also number three, envy others who seem to be closer. We envy others who seem to be closer. Envy begins to build up. For some of us, maybe you've been close to God. But maybe the fire's gone out and you lost that fire. I'm encouraging you today. It's time to know him again. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, I want to know Christ. There's that word again. And experience the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. You know what? We keep hearing about miracles for others. God's going to do a miracle in your life. That's the same power that resurrected from Christ, that resurrected Christ from the dead is available to you. You know what, Jesus, he doesn't want you just to celebrate the resurrection. He wants you to experience the resurrection. God doesn't take bad people and make them good. He takes dead people and brings them to life. And life to the fullest. So I'm encouraged, instead of envying the resurrection, experience a resurrection. So here's some quick points as I close today. How do I fall in love with Jesus? Pastor, how do I fall in love with God? And this is going to be such a powerful series. I encourage you, if you can, come back every single week. But how do I fall in love with God? Number one, step one, is to love him because he first loved me. Love him because he loved me first. That you will fall in love with God once you get a vision and a revelation of how much he loves you. Of how much he loves you. Did you, church, I want you to understand, you don't need to get your act together to get to God. So many times we think, man, I gotta be perfect. Hey, gotta come to Avenue Church. I gotta get some things right, then I can show up. How many know you don't need to get your act together to get to God? You need to get to God so he can get your act together. That's just what happens. This is not a museum. This is a hospital, all right? We got hang-ups and habits. We got addictions. We are messed up, and that's just my team. That's just me. We're not perfect, but we serve a perfect God. But you'll fall in love with God when you realize how much he loves you. He loves you so much. And this revelation will change your life today. God knows what you did last night, and he still loves you. God knows what you did this year, and he still loves you. God knows what you did 20, 30 years ago that's been hanging over your head for that long, and God's saying, I know that, and I love you. I died for that. I set you free in Jesus' name. That if God had an iPhone, which I know he would because he's God, come on, somebody. If God had an iPhone, you like that timer right there? I'm out of time. If God had an iPhone... If God had an iPhone, your picture would be his lock screen. Come on. That's how much he loves you. If God had a kitchen up in heaven, your picture would be on his fridge. That's how much God loves you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. He knows our secrets, our thoughts. He knows exactly what we've been through, and he still loves you. But number two is pursue him. How do I fall in love with God? Pursue him with all my heart. You understand, if you want somebody, I'm going to help you out. A little quick dating tip, right? If you want someone, you pursue them. There's a pursuit that begins to take place. I pursued my wife because I really, 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 really liked her. Right? There's a pursuit that took place. That the day I asked her out, 
The day I propose, the day I said I do, it's been a constant pursuit. 13 years later, it's still a pursuit every single day. But listen to me, church. We all love a good love story. But listen to me. God wants to be pursued the same way. God wants to be pursued that way. God loves a good chase. God says, chase me. The Bible says, if you draw near to God, then he'll draw near to you. It does not say when God draws near to you, when he finally decides to show up, when God finally takes a step, then you could draw near to him. That's why the Bible says that when we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us because he wants to be chased. He wants to intimately know you. He wants relationship with you and me today. Jeremiah 29, 13, this is the promise from God. I love this. The Bible says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. And for some of you right here, this is going to change your life. You say, I've been seeking God. I've been pursuing God. He's nowhere to be found. Read Jeremiah 29, 13. If you'll seek me, you'll find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, there I am. There I am. God wants to be pursued. So I'm going to give you a challenge this morning. I want to encourage you today. Will you give God one year of your life? One year of your life. All right. Now some of you are like, what the heck? No, don't quit your jobs. Don't do none of that. All right, calm down. But will you give God one year of your life to go all in? From today on, you say, I'm going to give God one year of my life to seek him with all my heart. I'm going to pray, read my word. I'm going to go to growth track today, step one. I'm going to serve in the A-team. I'm going to join or lead a group at the, at the leadership thing. I'm going to get water baptized on August 18, two weeks, right here at Avenue Church. Come on, somebody. I'm excited for that. It's a big party we're going to do outside. I'm going to invite my friends to church. And listen to me, this is not a pastor thing. Like, please invite your friends, right? But when you know what, there's such power. You know what will excite you more than anything? is when you invite someone who's close to you but far from God, and they come to Avenue Church and experience the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, experience that Jesus loves them and God wants to intimately know them and get set free, your faith will be ignited. And you just can't help but to pursue God more and more. I want to ask you this. This is a, a risk I'm going to take today. But how many of you here today, you would raise your hand today and you would say, Jesus has changed my life. Just raise a hand. Keep it up for just a second. Everybody look around the room. If God could do it for them, he could do it for you. He could do it for me today. Look at all those hands. Come on, give God a shout and praise today. I want you to understand, too, you don't need full understanding to commit. You know, when I married my wife 13 years ago, and we had, before our pastor, I put a ring on her finger, and I said, baby, I do. I didn't fully understand marriage. Right? I think maybe I thought I did at 23. Come on, somebody, right? I know it all. I didn't fully understand marriage, but I still committed. You'll fully have to understand God, fully have to understand His Word. I know Greek and Hebrew. Well, that's great. It's still Greek to me. I still don't understand it. That's great for you. But you don't have to fully understand God to say, God, I give you a year of my life. See what you can do with my life. And that leads me to number three. Worship team, come on up is I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to give him my life. For me in this room, you're saying, God, what's next? And God is saying, know me. Let's go on a journey together where you know what? I'm going to fall in love with you because you love me. 
I'm going to pursue you with all my heart. I'm going all in. But also I'm going to give you my life. Luke chapter 9, verse 24. It's kind of a conundrum here. It says, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. And for so many of us, we're stumbling in the dark. And we're going, no, 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 it's, it's all good, God. I, I got this handled. If I could just work my way to get that, I'll find purpose. If I could just go this direction and achieve this and that, I'll be satisfied. But the problem is, when we go that journey, we finally achieve it or we get it, we, we, we begin to realize there's no purpose involved. We ask ourselves, what's next? So if you try to hang on your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you're going to save it. You know what give up your life means? It's simply saying, Jesus, my life belongs to you. Do what you want with it. Use me any way, anyhow, anywhere. I'm available and I'm ready. That he will take you up on that offer. And I promise you, he's going to change your life for the better. A blessed life. A life of joy, of purpose, and of hope. I'm so grateful that God took a deaf, hard of hearing kid from North Dakota, from a divorced family, a blended family, that God took me out of the state. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. And he took me to Las Vegas to marry Pastor Lindsay Bosma, to start a life-giving church that's going to impact the city of Las Vegas, impact the ends of the earth for God's praise and God's glory. Church, we get to do this. God gets to use us for his praise and his glory. So God, I give you my life. I give you it all. And what are you saying? Man, if you give him your life, he's not going to take it and throw it to the ground and say, finally, there's submission. God's going to say, oh my goodness, I've been waiting for this arrow. I've been waiting to launch this thing. I've been waiting. I've been waiting to use you at your workplace, in your family. I've been waiting. I want to intimately know you. Here's a story in the Bible. It's like close today. Worship team's going to come out and all that. There's a story in the Bible called the prodigal son. Now, I love the story because there's a father. He had two sons. And one of his sons said, Dad, give me my inheritance. I want it now. Give it to me. So he took his portion and he went into the city and he began to try to find out what's next for him by partying, spending his money, and he began to lose it all. And how many know, I've never begun to realize, but that son, he lost more than just money. He lost it all. So much was stolen from him. So he had no money and nowhere to live. Due to pride and embarrassment, he went to work for a pig farmer. He began to work for that farmer feeding pigs. And even at his lowest of lows, he began to see the food that the pigs were eating. And he thought, man, maybe I could eat some of that. But instead of eating what the pigs eat, maybe I could just go back to my father's house. Back to dad's house where I won't be a son, I'm going to be a slave. Because even the lowest of lows, even slaves in his house, have food and a roof over their head. So the Bible says, while the son was still a long way off, the son was going back home. The Bible didn't say that the father was in the house behind locked doors or locked windows. The Bible said that while the son was still a long way off, the father was waiting. And when the father was waiting, the Bible didn't say the father was going, there you are. Yeah, Mr. Party all the time, party all the time. He didn't say, there you at, you can come pay me back. Where have you been? Yeah, I'm going to punish you now 
The Bible said that while the son was still a long way off, the father ran. The father ran. Grabbed his son and hugged him. Put his cloak on him. Give him a ring. Put sandals on his feet. And the father said, welcome home. Welcome home. For many of us in this room today, I want you to understand, maybe it took courage to get into this room. It took courage to wake up, to drive here, no matter the distance. When you walked in this building, instead of thinking, oh, no, it's going to burn down because I'm here. Oh, no, God is so mad at me or upset with me. How many know when you walked in this building today, the Father said, I see him. I see her. I see that person. And the Father's running to you today. And the Father is saying, I love you. I love you. I got a plan for your life. See, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll plainly tell them, I never knew you. Here's my encouragement today. Do not read this verse and say, God's going to spit me out of his mouth. I'm not going to make it. I won't achieve it. You know what I see in the scripture? I see a God who's saying, look, there's still a chance. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. All those things are great. I want a relationship with you. Come on, give God a shout and a praise. Will you stand with me, please, real quick? I want to pray over you this morning. I'm excited what God is doing today. But I want to ask you today, that if you're here today and you're ready for a relationship, I'm not talking about, hey, you know what? I, 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 you know, I've been a Christian. All my, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you're here today and you said, you know what, Pastor? I want to know God intimately. You know what, Pastor? I want to pray a prayer today and to begin a step today in knowing who Jesus is. Whether that's brand new or recommitment, rededication. But today, with every head up and every eye open, if that is you today, and you say, Pastor, will you lead me in a prayer today in knowing God? That's my first step today. I would be so honored. But every head, uh, head eye, uh, eye open and head up, if that is you today, I won't embarrass you and call you out, but I want to pray for you today. If that is you, put a hand up. Put it right back down if that is you. Yes. Anyone else? Yes, 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 yes. Up. Yes. Right back down. Anyone else? Yes, yes. Anyone else? I'm so proud. Come on, give God a shout. Give God a praise. While they're still a long way off, the Father ran. The Father came. So let's all pray a prayer together as I close. We're going to worship, and then the rest will close us out. If I want everyone, bow your heads and say, say, Dear Jesus, say, Thank you for dying on the cross. Say, Today I receive your forgiveness. Say, Thank you for paying for what I did. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, be number one. Say, with all my heart, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. So today, I want to know you. I want to intimately know you as my Savior. Say, today, I now know who I am. Say, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Everybody give God a shout. Give God a praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc.